Hello, everybody. Welcome to Two Nuts in a Pod. I'm Lizzie. And I'm Emery. And we have a lovely guest today, Jackie Fossiluza. Hello. Uh, who I haven't seen in five years, even though we live in the same city. And I think you're a wonderful human. Thank you. So Thank maybe you. today will be the start of, you know, us running into each other more. A renewal of friendship. Yeah. Yeah. Because we've got lots of mutuals. Totally. You know? Totally. Our, our Facebooks probably have like 30-some mutuals. That's a sign. It's like, you need to hang out with this person more. Totally. And, you know, it's... But I think that's what your 30s are for, is not seeing your friends anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I know. It's like my, like, one of my best friends, like, we probably see each other like once a month. Yeah. And yeah. like, I don't even have kids. Like, I don't, I don't have an excuse to be that busy. I'm just, you know... And then you meet new people and it's like, do I have time for another friend? No. The answer is so definitely hard. no. I can't wait for you all to reconnect in 2027. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. I think there was some comedian. Let me that... drop a couple of friends first and then we can, we can give it a shot. And I'll call you in 10 years when my, well, okay, actually uh, 13 years when my youngest is out of the house. Perfect. And then we'll be friends. Okay. okay. Sounds good. Yeah. yeah. Good plan. We'll set it. We'll put it in writing. Yeah. And I've known Jackie since like 2007 or yeah, eight, seven. Uh, yeah, I've known Jackie for a long time. We're in we're in a little group chat together, a girls chat. We're just eleven women and me. Um, that's fun. <laughs> What's the name of the group chat? Community of Cuties. Oh, I love that. It's changed over the past the two years. We had our two year anniversary of the chat uh, a couple weeks ago, I think. Mm -hmm. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's changed names over the years, but it started definitely with the pandemic. And I was the last one to join. Yes. Yeah, so they, they started it during the beginning of the pandemic way to connect with each other during all that crap. And I joined in like September of 2020 and I've been a member ever since just been asking them not to kick me out. Yep. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. And she's just sad enough, which we went on that little scale that we always ask people, are you sad enough to be on the show? Some people aren't. We're like, you can never join our show. But Jackie's I wasn't just... sure. You come across very happy to me. I am, but you'll you'll find out. No, I, I am happy. That's not the 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 problem. Well, I you guess will. you can be happy and also be a depresso. Yeah. It's well, it's just a different kind of happiness. Or like I mean, you can have anxiety issues or whatever. Yeah. yeah. For sure, for sure. And I'm on 100 uh, milligrams of Zoloft, so that really helps Nice. make me even keel. <laughs> so I don't get too sad or too happy. I just stay right in the middle, usually. Yeah. Unless hormones get involved. Yeah. Then, well, that's one thing I've learned with the show is that, like, even people who, like, outwardly, I would be like, oh, that person doesn't have any mental health issues. It's like everybody at some point in their li lives has had mental health issues. Totally. And I don't think people realize that or talk about that. Right. Which is the problem. Yeah. All right. So business time? Business time. Yeah. I was wondering when we we're going to wrap that up. So I'm going to talk <laughs> about business. Because uh, I'm the business guy here. So you're listening to... He's wearing a suit, a full... I'm wearing a full... Don Draper. Tuxedo. Yep. Full <laughs> tuxedo. Uh, that's what I always wear when I come to the studio. So, you listen to Two Nuts in a Pod on 1065 Forward Radio. You can listen to us anytime at forwardradio.org. You can also find us on streaming services SoundCloud, Castbox, 
Apple Podcasts, Google Play, others. We also, yeah, we just <laughs> added like a ton of, we've got like, we're on Spotify now and like Audible and. Okay, like all um, of them. We're just all of them. Just literally look. Anything. All the big ones. All the big ones. You if got you're them. on some weird fringe streaming app, like, I'm sorry, that's really cool in punk rock, but we're probably not on your streaming app. <laughs> yeah, you weirdo. But we, we got the big ones, so. <laughs> yeah. So we're on the big ones. You can find us on streaming big ones. <laughs> the important ones. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, and you can also find us on social media platforms. One of the social media platforms is called Facebook, and it's two nuts in a pod Facebook. with the number two, T-W-O, spelled out. Yeah, it's, um, it's called Facebook. And the other one is called Instagram, and this one is two nuts in a pod, but it's with the number two, two nuts in a pod. And you can also email us anytime, 24-7-365 at two nuts in a podcast at gmail.com. One of our 950 interns will answer within one minute to one year. You'll get an email <laughs> response. Yeah. We just don't know. So we do have a pledge drive coming up. It's uh, March 27th through April 9th. Uh, You can go to our website and uh, donate. And we have the goal of $5,000. We're a volunteer-run station. Uh, You know, we basically just, we're always just trying to cover our operating costs. And we really rely on donors to do that. And so if you like our show, if you like other shows on Forward Radio, if you just generally are like, wanting to support grassroots local radio um you can donate as little or as much as you want like even like 10 bucks like and we've got premiums too we've got little little items that you can get like t-shirts and stuff like that when you donate and then to culminate the pledge drive uh we have uh our fifth year anniversary celebration party party time uh, and it's going to be at Tim Faulkner Gallery, which I'm super psyched about. Love the space. It's nice, yeah. Uh, it'll be, so that's Saturday, April 9th from 1 to 4 p.m. And we're going to have lots of food and drinks. Uh, we'll have, there's a, obviously like a cash bar there. We're going to have some, some birthday cake uh, nice. to celebrate us. We've got... Um, some musical performances uh, by John Gage and Amber Riggs. We've got a guest speaker, Adria Johnson, and uh, we'll also be broadcasting from the event. And if you're a nonprofit and you want to come table at the event, send us an email. Let us know. Um, you can email us at wfmp.louisville at gmail.com. Also, if you plan on coming, it would be great if you could RSVP just so we make up, make sure we have enough uh food and and cake it's really about the cake yeah who cares about the food People just you don't want to be cake. like milton from office space just oh. pass oh he doesn't get the cake and he does doesn't he doesn't get any cake doesn't he burn the building down after that yeah Maybe. it's serious spoiler alert you don't have enough cake it's very serious so please RSVP. We, don't, we don't want to burn down the tim faulkner calorie that would be very disrespectful yeah that would be pretty messed up <laughs> yeah, <laughs> especially over bad. cake yeah yeah uh so yeah that's that's my whole spiel for the pledge drive and we'll be there we'll be there yeah Yeah. i'm I'm gonna be doing some live broadcasting and um otherwise we'll just be walking around merrymaking yeah i don't know what i'll be doing there i don't have live i don't have any duties maybe i'll like maybe i'll bring like a little one of those little kiddie pools or something and just Play around in that. Yeah. Maybe fill it with 
balls and not water so it doesn't make oh. such a mess oh yeah that'd be a good idea i think that would set the tone nicely Maybe i'll take my shirt off you know just get yeah real weird we, we gotta give them some eye candy <laughs> we need a reason to come down <laughs> we'll have all the 950 interns there as well so it'll be bad well like tim Foctor has that big outdoor yeah patio out front so i think you should just be front and center you're you're like the sign waving person yeah you know, you're bringing people, just passers by to mm-hmm. the event. Like the car wash bikini girls, except just no shirt and a pool of balls. Yeah. Now I'm thinking a bikini top would probably. A bikini top would be cool. Yeah. And if yeah. I have something to like wave above my head, that'd be really cool. Okay. So we can go into our first segment. How are you for real? So this is where we just kind of dish mm-hmm. about what's going on in our lives and okay. uh, just... No holds barred, real stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't, we just, we don't want to hear just the highlight reel. That's all you get on like Instagram and Facebook anyway. Yeah. Except Ebo, who's awesome and like posts about his worst moments, like for the most part, like. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sad again. <laughs> Shocker. The redeeming dark cloud of Facebook. <laughs> Yeah, well, you count on me for that. <laughs> so, Emo. Yep. How are you for real? Whew, man. Uh, since the last time we recorded, it's been kind of rough. Um, I went through, let me give you a breakdown. Yeah, the big talking points. This is, I would be the worst person to ask this question. If someone's just like walking by and be like, hey, buddy, how's it going? I'd be like, oh, okay, I got some stuff for you. <laughs> How much time do you have? <laughs> so, I went to, I had a, I dealt with a kind of a manic depressive episode for a few weeks. And that culminated in me going to, uh, admitting myself to a local psychiatric hospital here in Louisville. And I stayed there for about uh, four nights. And now I'm doing an outpatient program at another hospital. And that's uh, daily group therapy sessions. Um, basically had to stop work and stop all of my volunteer and community commitments. Um, yeah, so it's kind of sucked. <laughs> if we're just being completely honest. Uh, struggled my whole life with depression and anxiety and suicidal like thoughts and ideation. Yeah, so I had a that whole episode, and yeah, so it just kind of has sucked for a little while. Um, dealt with these issues many times before, uh, so I've been hospitalized. This is my fourth time being hospitalized, so I'm kind of a veteran of it. Uh, and yeah, so I just have been, since then, just kind of going through the motions and dealing with all that crap. It's just, uh, it's like, I think when people hear it, they are scared or nervous. They get a lot of emo. Like to me, like it's not that big of a deal. It is a big deal because especially the suicide stuff, that is a very big deal. But like, I've been down this road enough that like, I kind of know when things are going really bad or things are about to get really bad. And it just, you just realize you're like, okay, this is what I need to do. And so, like, in late January, I had... My cat got really sick. He's much better now, which is good. But then just other issues, like relationships, financial issues, all these little things, and just kind of culminated into, like, a lot of stress and anxiety. And um, anxiety's always been kind of the bully for me, and depression is the monster. So it's like the bully... I mean, anxiety sucks for me, but depression is what I really struggle with the most. And that's where it just, like, kind of... It's, like, suffocating. And... um, but I wasn't going to let what happened in 2013 is when I attempted suicide. So it's been nine years since then. And um, I just wasn't going to get to that stage again. So I've been very, I'm very 
self-aware and adamant about like, hey, taking care of myself before things get real bad. And so, yeah, that's what I did. So it's like, you know, if I didn't do anything two months from now, who the hell knows, really? I mean, just being very blunt about it, uh, we don't know. And that's why, like, I was like, okay, I need to do this for my own sanity. So I just went to my roommate at the time and I said, hey, can you drive me to the hospital? And he's like, okay. He didn't ask any questions or anything. I told him what hospital I wanted to go to. And we went there and I got admitted for inpatient. And that was really helpful. It kind of, because, you know, when you go to there, I'm not sure if people are familiar with those type of places, but it's not like what you really see in movies and TV shows. Um, It's like very calming in a lot of ways. And like, you know, they take away your phone and stuff. You don't have internet access. Like you clear your head right there. Um, and I'm a very, I can obsess over things. Like if I'm really spiraling, I obsess over stuff and like numbers and dates and memories and all these things are just like bobbled up. And like, so it's really good for me not to have technology access during that time because it's just like, I'll just obsess over details. Um, so yeah, it just becomes a lot. And then, but that, that play, it helped clear my head. Um, the group therapy sessions really help. Um, I'm having uh, changes in my medication to increase, uh, medications uh, dosages for anxiety and depression and yeah so just a lot of stuff happening right now and it's not super fun but it's also just like i know what i'm dealing with like when i was a kid dealing with this stuff i didn't know what it was called or what was happening and now it's like oh yeah i'm going through this episode like this may happen this may take place for like several weeks and i'll be up and down and you know some days will be amazing and some hours will be amazing other hours i'll be like i want to die um but just knowing what to do when it gets to that point um, is really important. So, um, and yeah, I've got an amazing support network. And as Lizzie mentioned about like Facebook, I, I generally, if I have a struggle, I'll put it on Facebook, which is, it can be positive and negative in some ways, but generally positive, like the support, that means I have a very large support network. Like when they ask people to write down like people in your life that you can reach out to about this stuff, I wrote like 50 names down, which is just like wild to think about because people would write down like one or they would have nobody. Yeah, And I felt like, ooh, I am, like, really lucky to have, like, a lot of people in my corner and a lot of people that are aware of stuff, of what to do. And even now, like, I think I did it with you and a few other friends, Lizzie, where I was like, hey, like, I think something bad might happen today. I'm just letting you know. So yeah. I might have to reach out to you. Like, I'm being more proactive about that stuff instead of being like, mm, I'll take care of this all on my own. Like, that clearly has not worked. <laughs> like, asking for help is what you should do. Like, doing it on your own does not work. And I think, you know, it's kind of our culture and our society that promotes that. And, you know, from childhood, I was always like, yeah, just take care of yourself. But it's not working. And then whenever I ask for help, guess what? Help comes around. It does. And sometimes if people are jerks about it or they're not going to help you out, screw them. I don't need that person in my life. But, like, I have never had someone respond negatively to it. Maybe when I first had problems, like 2010, 2011, where issues popped up, people... Some people responded a little differently than I wanted them to, but, like, now it's just, like, not an issue at all. Yeah. So, like, it just is very refreshing. I realize I'm very fortunate for that. Um, And I know I'll be okay. It just, like, right now just kind of sucks. It's just, like, whatever. Yeah. Everything, I was telling a friend, like, everything seemed off. Like, everything I would say or do or think was off. It was, like, it was, something was not clicking. And I knew right then I was, like, this might get bad. I need to do something about it. So I made sure to admit myself to the hospital and yeah, here I am. I'm so proud of you. Like I know in like the message you sent out to some people that you were checking into the hospital, like 
like I almost got the sense that you felt defeated about it. Yeah. But then after coming out, I feel like you've had that total shift of like, no, there's no shame in doing this. Like, I mean, yeah. if you think about it, it's like, it's just like a spa for your brain. Like, totally. but of course, on like, on like TV shows and movies, they'll basically show you a rec room with a bunch of people drooling and <laughs> yelling. And yeah. yeah, like it's it. It makes it look so scary, and that has stopped me in the past from seeking those services when I've had times that I was having suicidal ideation, and I was very non-functional, and had even said, like, to my husband and uh, to my therapist, like, I I might need to go somewhere where people can—I can just be fed and just not have to think— just focus on my brain like not have to think about functioning yeah um like you know like sometimes you do just have to be taken care of and i've never done group therapy but i have heard such great things about it yeah i will say the the outpatient program and there's other group therapy options but like that outpatient program and i go to one at baptist health um and it's it's just been very beneficial and like I love hearing other people's perspectives, especially because of like, hey, man, like we've been down this road before. We've all experienced this and we can relate and we may have different ideas or different perspectives to offer. And that's really beneficial. But, yeah, I think with like going to the hospital, like I did feel a little defeated because it's like, man, we're here. I have to deal with this again. Like this sucks. Like when does this go away? But also I'm just like this doesn't just go away. You have to learn how to adapt and manage. And but like coming out of it, like, yeah, I don't really feel embarrassed or ashamed at all or anything really i'm just like yeah i had to it's like a little tune-up like i had to go there and it's oil change yeah i had to get my oil change at the psychiatric hospital for four days (laughs) (laughs) but uh but yeah i feel i feel better i mean i'm still on kind of the struggle bus but it's it's much better than before lizzie how are you for real uh i am good i've been stressed and overwhelmed um just a lot going on in my life right now uh i've just kind of like taken on a little too much and typically i'm like very careful about not doing that uh but for some reason my perfectionism has been in like high gear and i just am like yeah i'll do it yeah i'll do it yeah i'll do it and i'm kind of like so that's been overwhelming, but uh, I am excited. I just got some good news a few days ago that I've been accepted to the grad program I applied to. That's so awesome. <laughs> so I'll be starting the clinical mental health counseling program at UofL in August. So cool. Hell yes. And I'm starting my abnormal psych prereq on Monday, and I just got my textbook, and I was, like, looking through the contents like a big old nerd, and I was just like, oh, my God, I'm so excited. Like, <laughs> <laughs> That's how you know you found the, the right place, though. Yeah. Well, that's cool because it feels like, you know, I don't know if you've heard the term, like, me-search, like, research that really, like, helps you in your own personal Mm. emotional development like that's what i feel like a lot of this is going to be yeah sounds like what i'm realizing your 30s are for is for like that's when people get self-help books yes but this is like on another level they stop hanging out with their friends and they get self-help books perfect so they can hang out with their friends again (laughs) yeah (laughs) exactly the cycle 
Yeah, so uh, I'm excited. Like, of course, I'm I'm nervous too. Uh, there's just a lot. There's a lot to do to like prepare for it and uh, just kind of figure out all the financial side of things. And you know, I haven't done this in a while. It's been like ten years since I've been in school. So, um, so yeah, like that is kind of obviously like a little bit scary and one thing that has been kind of getting to me a little bit and I think it's because I am so stressed right now and my anxiety has been really high and just dealing with like going off of benzos and like facing my own issues with like substance abuse that I just keep having this feeling of this fear that I can't possibly help other people because I'm too flawed. And I know on an intellectual level that that is not true. Um, and that that will make me a more empathetic therapist. But like, there's that insecure part of me, uh, that thinks therapists have to be these perfect symbols of, you know, mental health of like, yeah, they've got it all figured out. And it, it doesn't help that I have seen therapists like that who self, you know, I've learned to ask for therapists who self disclose because I want to see them as a human, but I've had lots of therapists in the past who don't. And then it's just like this person, like always giving you advice of like the healthiest things to do to cope. And, uh, you know, the therapists I tend to like are ones that are like, it's okay if you do the unhealthy stuff sometimes. Like, you can screw up. Yeah. Right. That's fine. It's human. Yeah. We're like, we're all trying our best and we're all going to do the unhealthy coping thing sometimes. Um, and self-care doesn't just have to be the cliche, like running or walking or yoga or meditation. Like, it can also be binge watching a show that makes you feel really relaxed or eating some comfort food or you know like totally there's tons of things you can do for self-care so anyway I just you know I think as I get into the coursework those feelings will start to subside I'm mostly just really excited about it but yeah that's the one big insecurity that keeps like rearing its head I don't think you'll be alone. I think they'll find a lot of your classmates are the same and have the same fears, and but also will be the most beneficial because of it. That's a good point, yeah. I was going to say that, too. That was my point. You know, Jackie took it. You, so can, just, you can just leave now, Emo. Because <laughs> I'm not needed. <laughs> I'll take it from here. But no, that's awesome, and I'm really proud of you. That'll be great. Thank totally. you. It's, at any age, something new is scary. Um, yeah. But as I'm finding out with 90 Day Fiance, it's never too late to start over, guys. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to have to add that to my queue. I just finished Love is Blind, seasons one and two. And do I feel a little bit dumber? Yes. But was it extremely gratifying to watch? Also, yes. See, and that's self-care right there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's okay to just like watch kind of garbage TV. Trash TV. Like, it's good. Yeah. yeah. Eat trash, watch garbage. Like, it's perfect. Yeah. Eat and watch trash. <laughs> yeah. 
Uh, so Jackie, how yeah. are you for real? Um, I'm actually really good at the moment. Um, it my anxiety ebbs and flows, but um, you know, on at 100 Zoloft, I'm great. Like it's really been the only time it fluctuates is around my period. My hormones make a huge difference in my mental health. So if you were, if I was here a few weeks ago, I'd probably say that I was not doing great. You know, my husband and I had to have a really like eye-opening conversation because I felt like I was drowning because um, I'm in school and I have two kids and I'm working and and I think my like looking the way looking at the way I was brought up, I was. You know, I think like a lot of women, most women were people pleasers. And so obviously if I feel like I'm dropping the ball in one area, it's not going to feel great. And I usually take it out on my husband. So that's not great either. But I think it's because I feel safest with him. So I feel like he's my person that I can just dump everything on. But then that it's, it comes out really mean. And so... <laughs> So that was a couple weeks ago, but where you've like turned a new leaf and he's like, I'm going to be the laundry czar. And he's just, he's like doing so much in an obvious way. And it's, it really has just like lessened my stress immediately. But yeah, overall, like if I have something to look forward to, I'm good. And like, we're going on vacation for spring break and we're going to, uh, we're going to Boston, um, just me and Anthony and then like we're going we're just traveling a whole bunch which is always refreshing and I didn't realize how traveling made me feel until the pandemic when I couldn't and now that I can again and then I've also found that in my 30s like you're just spending your life figuring out how your childhood plays into your adulthood so like, I'm like, why do I like to travel so much? Why does it bring me so much joy? And I was like, oh, I used to travel a ton when I was little and with my family. And, you know, it's just, I'm always connecting these dots between childhood and now. And, um, which is good sometimes, but also sometimes I spend too much time thinking about it and it's like, is this helpful? I don't know. But yeah, overall I'm great. I get to travel and I, I feel very fortunate for that. And I love my job. Um, I'm doing well in school. It's like just challenging enough, but I know that I'm going to do well. <laughs> awesome. Nice. <laughs> what program are you in? Um, so I have my master's in education. I'm um, certified K through five, but the day I had my daughter was when my older daughter is when I graduated. Um, I didn't go to my last class because I was and labor but um and then i <laughs> could dare you I, excuses i couldn't leave her because she was my baby and and i guess i'll get to that more later but um so i just started taking jobs that i could bring her with me so i was a nanny for a bit and then i was a now i'm a preschool teacher and i've been a preschool teacher for six years and i was able to take her with me um or just it's always worked out that and then I had a second daughter and she's now she comes with me to work on the day she doesn't go to her own preschool and it just worked out really well. But yeah, I have, I'm, I have my master's in, in education and I'm going back for my classroom reading endorsement with the hopes that I'll um, get a job as a reading recovery teacher, um, in can or not kindergarten, but K through five, awesome. hopefully. Yeah. 
Um, and I don't, I, I've been thinking about that too. Again, like I, there's not a day where I spend like, and don't spend like 75% of my day, like self-reflecting, like, why am I doing this? Why am I drawn to this? What in my childhood, you know, it just always comes back every single day. Um, and I really don't know why I'm, I'm so into literacy. Um, except that reading was always an escape for me. Um, I had a wonderful childhood, but yeah, I definitely, um, like my social life, I was always, you know, and I, I did have anxiety as a child. So it was always an escape, the books that I was reading. I remember like reading James and Giant Peach and like not being able to look up, you know, I just could not stop reading it. And I was, I was James, you know, and I could, and I want that, you know, as like reading is therapy. I want, I want children who have maybe a bad home life or mental struggles to have an outlet that they can go somewhere else in their mind, you know, and I think books are the best way to do that. So I guess I did connect the dots on why I'm doing this program. <laughs> wow. You're welcome. We just, <laughs> we just made it happen yeah. right here today. Good job, us. Cool. Well, we are at that time. We need to take a quick break, but we will be right back. Two Nights in a Pod is a program dedicated to talking about the real stuff, the stigma of mental illness, how we tend to our mental health, and how our brains define and empower us. Hosted by Lizzie and Emery, Two Nights in a Pod can be found on podcast streaming devices such as iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, and CastBox. In addition to podcast streaming services, Two Nuts in a Pod is a proud member of Forward Radio. 065 WFMPLP is committed to broadcasting the voices of those groups and individuals in our community who are routinely ignored by the mainstream media, promoting understanding and collaboration among diverse groups, supporting our efforts to network, organize, and strengthen our community and our democracy. Forward Radio is a volunteer-powered, listener-supported station, and we need your contributions. Just go to forwardradio.org to donate or get involved. All right, we are back with the lovely Jackie Fasalusa. So, Jackie, this is the part of the show where we get to hear your story. And uh, so, yeah, just like what have your struggles been? Like, kind of give us the rundown. Give us the rundown, yeah. yeah. Well, my childhood was great. Like I said, um, we traveled all the time. My dad was traveling a lot, but my mom was awesome. Um, and I had a lot of anxiety about my mom dying based on nothing at all. And like, again, looking back, I'm like, why did I think that all the time? And I think like, Oh, that was anxiety. So, um, then, um, I was pretty good. Like all elementary, you know, nothing more than like the social, like wanting to be cool, following along situations. Oh, I do. I did. And I do have ADHD. So that was always a thing that made me hate school. Um, and again, now as I'm becoming a, a reading teacher, I'm like, Oh, I just have so much, so much more sympathy. And with my preschoolers, I'm just like, you know, I just see myself so much in my preschoolers, even though a lot of them don't have ADHD. It's just being three and four, but I, you know, I just see that I'm like, I'm kind of still like that. So anyway, so I have, I have ADHD. So that's like something I deal with. I kind of forget that I do, and then I'll do something. And then, you know, my family will get frustrated with me or they'll, 
you know, like why, you know, they don't say, why did you do that? But I can tell from their body language or their words um, that are not as direct, like, why did you do that? Or why, you know, it's like, yeah, that's Jackie, you know, why did, (laughs) why did I leave my phone in the basement on top of the laundry? Like, you know, it's, it's my brain constantly telling me I need to do the next thing, the next thing, the next thing. I don't register any kind of, you know, here and now. So, so that was always around when I was younger. Um, and it was, I don't think I was ever medicated for it. I don't really remember. I've blocked out a lot. Um, I remember having extra time to test and things like that, but, um, but I always remember struggling in school. So in high school, um, is when the fun really started. Um, I got, I have, I had very low self-esteem again. I don't, you know, I blame it on being a middle child. I don't know where it came from, you know, cause everyone was like, you're so beautiful. You're so beautiful. It's like, okay, well, that's great. It's just like when people tell you when you're depressed, like just be happy. And it's like, okay, that's great. That's what, that's your perception, but that's not what's happening inside of my brain, you know? Mm. So, um, my go-to to get attention and, maybe fill a void of some sort or to make myself feel loved or hot or whatever it is that I needed then was to, um, you know, get male attention and, you know, so probably not, did not make the best choices and then word got around and then now I have this reputation and then my reputation led to my depression and, you know, cutting, um, so it was just kind of a spiral, like a, like a, just, you know, one thing after another. And, um, I remember it, like I, my mom found out and I was so embarrassed that my mom found out that I was cutting. And then my grandma found out and she was crying. It was the only time I've ever seen my grandma cry. And so that broke my heart, you know, so then now I feel bad that I feel, you know, that I feel bad, but you know, of course, like my mom immediately wanted to get me help. And so I started seeing a therapist and, getting on antidepressants and ADHD medicine, um, my senior. So that all happened mostly my junior year. So then by the time my senior year rolled around, I was medicated and my mom knew I was going to therapy. Still wasn't doing great in school though. So actually I was, but somehow I almost didn't graduate. I don't remember the details again. I've, I've blocked a lot of it out. (laughs) Um, so that, that all happened and that was, Like, and then I think moving to Kentucky by myself, um, when I was 20, so I graduated when I was 17 and then I went to community college and I did fine there. I actually, Oh, oh, I forgot a big detail. Okay. So after, um, I graduated before I moved to Kentucky, um, we found out my dad had cancer. So we found out four months prior and then, um, four months after that, he passed away in April of 2005. Um, so, and right when he told us that he had lung cancer, I was like, Oh, he's going to die. You know, it wasn't like, Ooh, maybe there's a chance. Um, so there was, there was that grief. Um, and, and of course, like all through this, there's breakups and makeups and, um, I fell in love with for the first time, but, And then I think I was planning on moving to Kentucky before my dad died. But when he died, I was like, you know, still going to go here, like still going to move here. And, um, 
And I found that when I did, I like found myself. Like I was like, Oh, cause you know, I was the third of four children. Um, so I was, I was like independent and I was making my own money. I was nannying full time. I was going to U of L actually I was going to JCC first. Then I went to U of L. Um, you know, I was like in charge of my sexuality. Like I was doing it for me. Like it wasn't for, you know, male approval. It was just for me. And that was so liberating and my confidence grew and I was just so in such a great space. And, um, that's when I met or I met Anthony in high school, but we re-met in well, like when I was 22, I think. Um, and we started dating and then we just partied like me and emo and all of our friends, Lizzie, <laughs> we just partied, you know, for years and years. And that was like the best time, maybe because I was drinking so much. I don't know. You know, <laughs> I loved, helps. yeah, I help. loved my job. I was doing great in school. Um, because my dad was a Vietnam veteran, I got school for free. And so I didn't want to take advantage of that. I really wanted to try hard all of a sudden. And so I got that extra help with my ADHD. Um, and everything was real, real good from in my twenties. And then in 2012, I, I don't even remember how old I was in 2012, but that's okay. Um, not relevant to my story. Anthony's dad, who I was close with passed away, um, from a stroke and overnight, you know, we got the call in the middle of the night and he had passed away. So, or sorry, he hadn't passed away yet. He just had had the stroke and then we had, we decided to take him off life support because his kids knew that's just what he needed. And that event was like the big trigger of my OCD, which I didn't know I had until like, again, in retrospect, that's when it started. I would obsess over having a baby. I was like, I'm going to die. I have to have a baby now, or I'm never going to have a baby because I'm going to die. And then I'll never get a chance. And I mean, these thoughts were just constant, constant, you know? So this was all in 2012, 2013 that these Anthony's dad passed away in 2012. And then these like repetitive thoughts started in 2012, 2013. And then, um, so that happened. Um, and then I got pregnant and I, you know, meanwhile I was, I got married too. <laughs> I got married, then I got pregnant. <laughs> um, and, and one day I went to my mom's house and I was walking up to the front door and my older sister came out and she's like, like, I don't have any hope for these kids anymore. And she, he, she had read an article about climate change or something and she just mentioned that to me. And I think I was like eight months pregnant at, pregnant at the time with my first daughter. And when she said that, it's like, again, like a trigger went off. And I was consumed. I was consumed with my thoughts just on a reel over and over again. And then I went down a rabbit hole of like finding out more about climate change and what that meant. And I mean, I started ruining relationships one by one because they weren't turning the lights off enough. My mom was getting mad at me because I was riding the bus pregnant and I just, it was all consuming. And I was also in grad school, which I had to finish out real quick before I had the baby. Um, you know, but it was just so hard because in movies and TV, you see these 
happy pregnant women, like these carefree women. And I was like, what's wrong with me? Mm. Um, and I think I had been okay up to that point, relatively okay. Um, but yeah, so I went down a wormhole. I just, you know, looking, looking up, you know, any kind of hope didn't really find any, didn't, didn't find a lot of hope. Um, uh, <laughs> uh, spoiler alert, <laughs> uh, which did not help my anxiety, you know, and it's like, why am I doing this? Why am I bringing a child into the world? What is, you know, what's wrong with me that is so selfish. And I think it, it came back again to like my guilt was, um, I remember going to, uh, Amy and Anne's house when they lived on, um, in, in Crescent Hill. And I had a ge geography class at U of L and, and we were talking about climate change. And I think I posted on Facebook, like, Whoa, I'm never having kids. It's not looking good for us, you know? And that memory kept coming back to me when I was, um, pregnant, you know, like, why didn't I listen to myself? Why am I bringing this child into the world? You know? And it was just all consuming and it did not get better from there. <laughs> then my, um, OCD, my intrusive thoughts came as, um, uh, with chemicals after Eleanor, after my older daughter, Eleanor was born, then it was chemicals. Every time we went out to a restaurant, I would obsess over the tables and what kind of chemicals they used on the tables. And she's touching the table. Now she's going to put it in her mouth. Now she's going to get those chemicals in her body. And then her, she's going to get cancer because of all these chemicals. I mean, it was just a constant cycle. And like I said, one by one, these relationships, you know, I was driving Anthony crazy. I was driving my mom crazy. I was driving my sister crazy. I was just one by one, like ruining relationships and they didn't know how to help me. And I didn't know how to help myself, but you know, I feel like Anthony was always the, he's not, he hasn't been the best like emotional support. Um, cause he doesn't understand mental health, like problems like I have, but he has always been so logical that he's always been able to bring me back down to earth even when I mean about it. <laughs> um, so he was always my saving grace and he was like the one saying, Hey, like maybe you should try Zoloft or I don't think he's used Zoloft specifically, but you know, maybe try antidepressants because my OB was recommending it. And I think I started seeing a therapist and she was recommending it. And I was just like, no, cause then it'll get my breast milk and I don't want Eleanor to have any chemicals, no chemicals, you know? So I just suffered for like a year and a half, I think. And, and I finally, I don't know what, what finally made me, um, like make the switch and, and finally come to terms with that I needed to be medicated, but I start on Zoloft and whoa, like within a week I was like, oh, like I can breathe. Oh, really quick. Uh, it was so cancer and climate change were my main thing. So the chemicals with the cancer and then also everything I ate. So I was like doing paleo, which is funny because now it's like meat and cancer. And anyways, you know, there's a whole, <laughs> so many theories out there, but, um, you know, I was like everything I ate had to be organic. Everything I had to make all my food. I was, you know, so I think like my eating got a little morphed, like my view of, of, of what I was eating and how I looked and, and, but mostly it was what I was putting in my body 
because I was going to get cancer and I can't get cancer because then I'm going to die. And then my daughter is not going to have a mom. You know, it was, it all came back. I was definitely not enjoying my baby. I was just, it was like animalistic. I had to protect this thing that came out of me that I was biologically attached to at any cost. No one was going to get my way. No one was going to convince me. Otherwise I had to protect this thing. My little girl, (laughs) I hate calling her a thing, but that's, it it wasn't, she wasn't even, you know, it wasn't about her personality at the time. It was just about keeping her alive. Of course, she was kind of a boring baby at the time too, but you know, even when she was one and a half, you know, they get interesting and, um, I was still, you know, obsessive. So finally I get on Zoloft and like within a week it was magic. I was just like, wow, like this is, this is how you're supposed to feel. And I was like enjoying Eleanor and I was happy and everything was great and everything was great. Um, until can I get political for a second? A little bit. Yeah. No, no politics (laughs) (laughs) until Trump was elected. And then I was like, I, okay, no more kids. I already didn't want kids because of the trauma that happened with having Eleanor. Um, you know, like the mental burden it it took on me. Um, but then I, then Trump got elected and I was like, screw it. Let's just have another kid. You know, (laughs) it can't get any worse than this. So then I got pregnant with my uh, daughter Ivy and I went off Zoloft when I was pregnant with Ivy and the pregnancy hormones were like magic, like better than Zoloft, better than any drug. It was just like, I was smooth sailing and and that's just how my body was. Like, I don't, I don't think that, I don't know if that's true for everyone. It wasn't with Eleanor. (laughs) That's when the, the second, you know, part of the fun started, you know? So, um, when I was pregnant with Ivy, I was just flying high, unmedicated. Great. Um, then I had Ivy and I was like, so scared obviously that that was going to happen again but it didn't um but i did have uh insomnia which i just you know i i went and then i went to a sleep specialist and i was like this is happening and this is happening and i can't sleep and he's like and as i was saying it out loud to him i was like oh this is anxiety you know so it all came back so now you know now i'm trying to deal with ocd adhd and anxiety. And, you know, it was just like, okay, back on Zoloft you go, you know, and, and it was fine. Like this time I knew how much it helped. I knew it was right for me and it was great. Um, so I started working more. Um, I, you know, I took IV to school with me. Everything was great. I want to say for like a year and a half, it was great. And then I don't remember how much Zoloft. I know I was on Zoloft still. Um, this is not a Zoloft advertisement, by the way. I know I keep saying the word, but um, <laughs> That's right. it's we just talk a about drugs all the big time. <laughs> part of my life. Um, so we were at an Indian restaurant on Hurstbourne, and I can't remember the name of it. And I like this thought popped in my head of my daughter getting molested. Um, and again, it was not just a pop in my head and then went away. It was repetitive, repetitive, repetitive. And I work with children. So imagine my like disgust with myself and my anxiety and my, like, it was just like my life was getting crushed because my whole world was these children, my children and the children I worked with. And now 
I am, you know, I feel like I like, you know, I'm like, am I a child molester? Like, is, is that what's happening? Like, I had no idea. So I called, um, I, well, I was like having a panic attack. Anthony doesn't know how to deal with that. And that's fine. But you know, I felt alone and I couldn't even like bring my head to the space where I like could call my mom or call my sister, you know, just to calm me down. I like had to get help right then. Like I couldn't do anything else because of this trigger of this, these thoughts, these awful thoughts I was having, these images in my head. So like, I literally like signed up for like three different like online therapies, like, you know, like, do you take my credit card? You take my credit card. I don't care. Just help me right now. <laughs> Cause I didn't have a therapist at the time. And, um, the only like hotline I saw was like a suicide hotline. I was like, well, I'm not suicidal I'm just going crazy like I don't know how you know um and I hadn't thought about going into like a hospital since I had Eleanor I thought about going into a hospital every day but I was too scared that's why I'm so impressed that you did email because I I couldn't when I should have for sure um but anyway so I was I called a 1-800 number and they're like well are you suicidal and I was like well no and they're like we can't really do anything for you. And then all of the therapists, they couldn't see me or talk to me over the phone or online for like 48 hours. So I was like, like, what am I going to do? Like, I can't live. I can't definitely can't go to sleep tonight. And so I like rummaged through my emails and found my old therapist from I, that I had when I was had Eleanor and um, I called her desperately and, you know, just like told her the whole story. And she's like, Oh, you know, this sounds like obsessive thoughts. And I was like, huh? And that's kind of when I learned that I have OCD. And then I like Googled OCD. Um, Cause I think when I think of OCD, I think of monk. Like, yeah. do you remember that show? Like where yeah. he's like cleaning everything and I'm not a clean person. <laughs> I am very dirty, very messy, very unorganized. Unless it, when it comes to school, I'm very organized, but you know, everything else I'm very unorganized. Um, you know, that's what I thought of when I thought of OCD. I didn't think, OCD was obsessive thoughts or intrusive thoughts um, that repeat or that, you know, sexual images is a like a symptom of OCD, you know. So it was like, oh, you know, and it wasn't till, until I talked to my therapist and she's like, yeah, it sometimes when you care so much about something, my children, children in general, those those images are what comes into you know, violent images or sexual, sexually violent images in your head. And I was like, Oh, okay. You know? So I'm like, that's great that I know now what that is. That was a huge relief. You know, I'm not, I'm not this person. It, it OCD is not me. It's just a part of me, you know? Um, so once I was able to mentally separate that, it was so, you know, rejuvenating. <laughs> I don't know the right word, but yeah. you know, just so calming that I knew that now. Um, and, um, and it's been, and then, but I still had to fix it or like, you know, be able to function without those intrusive thoughts. So then I just kept upping my Zoloft more and more. And then now I, I don't have those intrusive thoughts anymore. And I've actually talked to my doctor. Um, and she's like, usually with people with OCD or like at two fifty, and I'm like, okay, I'm doing good. Like if I'm yeah. not having my intrusive thoughts, even on my period, like, which definitely affects it. Um, then I feel like I'm, if I'm only on a hundred, 
Like, I feel like I'm doing pretty good. Not that going up would be bad, but, you know, mm-hmm. I just, I still have a chemical thing. Like, I'm like, what's in the Zoloft, you know? Um, but not to the degree, you know? It's like the chicken or the egg. <laughs> yep. It's yep. like, I don't, I don't want the chemicals, but if I don't have them, and I keep calling them chemicals, but you know what I mean? Yep. The stuff inside Zoloft. You know, if I don't have them, then I go crazy, but then I go crazy without them. It's, you know again a reoccurring nightmare but yeah ever since then and currently no intrusive thoughts but i just can't stress enough like how fake the idea of motherhood is that it's a great thing that you love your baby right away that you'll be okay and not go you know absolutely crazy when you have your baby (laughs) yeah I mean, it was, it was wild. Man, I wish we had time for follow-up questions because, like, there's so much about your story that I just think is amazing. And thank you so much for sharing it. Like, yeah, No problem. I feel like, you know, just seeing that progression throughout your life of, like, how those things surfaced and so much of it, like, felt so relatable to me, too, because I've dealt with a lot of the same stuff, so... Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. No problem. I'm like emo. Like the more I talk about it, the less weird it is for me. So it helps. And I just don't really give a crap anymore. The 36. I'm like, yeah. don't like me. I mean, I don't care. <laughs> Whatever. I'm, I, I am how I am. You can deal with it if you want. <laughs> My sister has a shirt that says I'm not for everyone. <laughs> it's, like, it's good. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, all right. So let's do some rapid fire gratitudes. Okay. I'm, I'm grateful that my little sister is moving here today. She's might be at my mom's house. I'm not sure. I haven't checked my phone, but very excited about that. She's we've, we've never, we haven't lived in the same city for more than six months since like I was in high school. So like 20 years ago, wait, 18 years ago. Yeah. That's so amazing. Is that right? Is my math right? It doesn't matter. (laughs) When my sister moved to Louisville, it was like such a game changer. I had only been here like a year and a half at that point, maybe. But like, man, it is great. And I've got my mom here now, too. So slowly the caraways are migrating to Louisville. But yes, they should. Yes. I'm grateful for uh, I met up with family today for a lunch and my niece, Lily, Asked me if we could have a play date with me and my cat, Floyd. Oh. I thought that was really sweet. She's four years old. And I was like, yeah, we should have a play date. So that's nice. Nice. Love it. Um, I always have such a hard time with this. Well, I guess, yeah, I'm just, I'm grateful for the the life changes I'm about to go through. Like, I feel really, like, I just feel really ready for this change. I feel like I've, I've you know, fully gone where I wanted to go with like my degrees in English. And now I just, I feel like this could be my forever career. And I don't know, like, that's very appealing to me. Like being someone who's highly sensitive, like I really need to feel comfortable in a job and the right level of stimulation. So I've just always been like that, you know, too hot or too cold kind of thing with jobs and you know it's just really exciting to think that like this could be such a good fit for me and would be so like 
fulfilling and yeah and i'm grateful that this uh that two nuts in a pod has made me realize in a lot of ways that that's what i want to do totally Um, because i'm like oh i love talking to people about this i could do this 40 hours a week (laughs) and get paid for it (laughs) yeah um all right well unfortunately we are out of time again jackie thank you so much for coming on the show no problem thanks Thanks for let me talk out my feelings yes i think that it's gonna be really helpful for listeners all right guys well keep talking about your feelings bye 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 thank you for listening to two nuts in a pod on forward radio Please keep in mind that we are not mental health professionals, and all of our opinions are based on our personal experiences. If you'd like to speak to a trained professional, call National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 1-800-273-TALK. That's 1-800-273-8255. The crisis line is available 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. Original theme music for Two Nuts in a Pod was composed by Neil Lucas.